0: Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 10% Happier Early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Hey, this is Dan Harris. I am a fidgety, skeptical newsman who had a panic attack live on Good Morning America. That led me to something I always thought was ridiculous, meditation. I wrote a book about it called 10% Happier, started an app, and now I'm launching this podcast to try to figure out whether there's anything beyond 10%. Basically, here's what I'm obsessed with. Can you be an ambitious person and still strive for enlightenment, whatever that means? So our guest this time is a pretty well-known guy. His name is the Dalai Lama, or more formally, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. I did this interview at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and alongside uh, the Dalai Lama during the interview is Richard Davidson, also known as Richie Davidson. Richie is one of the leading neuroscientists, uh, one of the first guys really to take a look at the impact of meditation on the brain, and he's worked with the Dalai Lama on scientific research for quite a while now. Um, I, I'll be honest, I and I said this in my book, I, I've always been a slightly... Uh, careful about the Dalai Lama, not because I think he's a bad guy, just because I'm firmly not in the smells and bells school of, of Buddhism. But I, I've now interviewed the Dalai Lama twice and both times he has impressed me. I will warn you as you as you start to listen here, he he can be a little bit hard to understand, but but bear with him because he makes some really interesting points. And after the interview concludes Stick around for something else, because uh, we then went up on stage, I moderated a discussion with the Dalai Lama and in which he made fun of me quite successfully and, and you'll hear that as well. Thank you again for joining us. The two of you have worked for a long time collaboratively on science around meditation on the brain. why is you're a religious leader? Why is this science so important to you
1: actually uh, firstly uh, since my childhood, personally, since childhood, I have, you see, uh, one of my nature is curiosity. Hmm. So that brings interest about science and technology. Uh, then secondly, science really, I think, provide the well-being of the world or humanity. And there are sort of concept open mind and carry research and uh, through investigation, uh, you see, till something concrete sort of uh, of, the evidence there, you see, your mind open. That I I like, you see, that kind of attitude. So uh, science, uh, very important for humanity, for even for now, world also, is very important, in the meantime, the modern science up to now, mainly dealing with matters or particles, uh, not sufficient pay or not sufficient development, the, uh, what you call, mind or consciousness. So then, we are dealing with human being. So we human being, besides this physical, we have this experience, whatever you call, mind or consciousness or something. So we cannot sort of excite uh, using that. Ex- exclude. Uh, so now, now obviously, physically, healthy person, but actually. Uh, there are people very unhappy person. I know so so physical medication uh, failed to bring inner peace. So we have to we have to deal with peace of mind. So since main sort of uh, destroyer of peace of mind is our own different emotion. So therefore, I think obviously the drug problem and alcohol problem. They not necessarily, you see, consider these is something sacred or something good. But to some extent, out of desperate, you see, they're putting hope, some injection, drugs, or alcohol, like that. So this clearly shows a society, uh, no matter how sort of materially highly developed, but still uh, some too much stress, too much worry, too much anxiety going on. So if there is no way to deal with this problem, then, okay. We have to rely on these drugs or these things. But if there is a way see, to deal this problem, then we must exploit, explore, explore. like that. So then, uh, what you call meditation or some other sort of training of mind. I usually prefer training of mind. Sometimes it's a word meditation. I don't know. You see, simply it's a training, and meditation. There are a variety of uh, var- varieties or different kinds of meditation. Uh, basically, uh, analytical meditation and uh, single-pointed, so of uh, meditation. So usually you see people consider meditation means close eye like that. And mind, not thinking, or sometimes we call thoughtlessness state of mind. I mean, you you can't remain whole your life thoughtlessness. <laughs> I can't do it for five seconds.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm not sure I can do it for one second. Uh,
1: <laughs> so actually, I think uh, sometimes I describe. You see, one of the because the best gift from God is this intelligence. So, without using our intelligence, is
0: quite a pity. So without using our intelligence, or intelligence, yes. Yeah.
1: So, the uh, analytical meditation goes very well. Analytical meditation and research and in- intelligence go together. Actually, I often you see mentioning my friend. You see, they also in the in the laboratory uh, research work. They also you see use intensively about analytical meditation. During that period, you see, fully concentrate on a particular subject, the hearing or these or smelling, not active. So it's some because of the noise come, they I mean he sort attended or attend. Not pay attention. Pay attention. Because the mind f- fully concentrate in a certain point and research thinking, thinking, thinking. So that is analytical meditation. I feel, according to my own experience, the emotions also you see have some some low level of intelligence. So combat or counterforce, destructive emotion. Also, you see, need the extensive sort of intelligence back, because of backing. Just uh, thoughtlessness state, thoughtlessness. Temporary, okay, but long run, the effect, I think, limited.
0: So you've said a bunch of things there that I want to react to and get you to clarify a little bit. First of all, I want to tell our listeners that occasionally, even though your English is very good, you do turn to your translator Mm -hmm. to help for a word. So if you're hearing another voice there, that's what it is. Um, And I want to talk about the difference between analytical meditation and the more traditional kind of meditation that most that to the extent that anybody meditates most people do but before I ask about that I just want to bring Richie in because I I want to give you credit your collaboration which has brought some evidence behind the practice of meditation has allowed people like me to start meditating I never would have meditated if there wasn't evidence because I always thought it was only for weirdos um, and so I, I, would, I, would have, I would have completely rejected the practice had you not come forth with this scientific evidence. So, Richie, let me just ask you, in your work with His Holiness, do you think that you're sparking the next big public health revolution here?
2: Well, I, I do think that there is, uh, we, we view it as a public health issue. Uh, we take the position that uh, health is not simply the absence of illness, And most people really have some residual level of suffering if they're honest about their own state of of mind. Uh, And we think that these kinds of practices that His Holiness is describing could be useful in helping people to have more of a, uh, more peace of mind, to generate more positive emotions uh, in ways that can affect their everyday life. Uh, And so I think that this is, uh, are a very much a public health issue, and it's public health because disturbing emotions we know cause changes in the body that impact our physical health. Uh, and so there is evidence to suggest that people who are happier and who have higher levels of well-being actually have biology which is more conducive to health. Uh, and so uh, I think it's very much a public health issue. And our aspiration actually is that these practices can potentially reduce health care costs because it can enable people to be more healthy.
0: So I want to state the obvious. I think we would all agree. The most important evidence is the evidence you will gather if you do the practice. So I, the, the scientific evidence is compelling, but I don't think people it may get you to start meditating i don't think people continue to meditate because they think their prefrontal cortex is getting thicker they continue to meditate because they're less of a jerk to themselves and others and it feels better so uh, i think i just want to clarify i do think the most important evidence ultimately is the evidence you will gather in your own personal experience but along those lines your holiness you were talking about the difference between uh... the sort of traditional Shamatha meditation, which is kind of a term of art, but the, the meditation that most of us are taught as beginners, which is to focus on our breath, then when we get lost, we start again. But there's a different kind of meditation, which is analytical meditation. What is that?
1: I think, firstly, when you develop some worry. Then investigate uh, what is the worry and come from where, from where come, and what's the nature. You can't find. So, that itself, you see, all every sort of emotions, usually, you see, we feel some kind of solid or some kind of sort of absolute or strong when we analyze what the nature. Or what, what the very identity of the sadness or worry you can't find and momentarily changing. So within second you see moving, changing. So analyze, then the appearance of something or my sadness, something you here something solid now that no longer there.
0: So if I am feeling, Anger, which I do occasionally. Um, more, I everybody. More, uh, everybody, I- including, as you said to me in the past, even the Dalai Lama feels angry at times. You're saying an analytical style of meditation would look for who exactly is angry, and where is the anger? Can you find it? And you won't find yes, anything solid. All sides. Firstly, object sight. Uh, uh,
1: in the case of one human being who creates you problem and you feel very negative and with that person consider your enemy and then your anger uh, really feel angry his body or his or her body or mind or sound or speech anger feels shy now no answer (laughs) but you see the Appearance is a something independent, that person. That is a target of anger. So analyze that target and dissolve. So anger no longer find independent uh, uh, target. So some sort of scientist uh, mentioned, I think they iron uh, back, now over 90, I think 96, 70 years old, uh, he uh, found through sort of decades' experience, when person develop anger, uh, the object which feel angry appears something very negative, but actually 90 percent of that negativeness is mental projection. So, th- so therefore, you see the. Analytical meditation, analyze uh, to whom, what's that person, what's the body. And uh, uh, quantum physics also. The body appears something independent, body, independent object, but analyze nothing. So nothing objectively exists. So long, observer there, things there. So, thinking this nature, uh, then uh, the person himself, herself, from where from where anger come, and, and what what is the, sort of, uh, the real entity of anger? You can't find. So that's the way uh, reduce the intensity. Of anger, or fear, or even attachment, like that.
0: We all, we all. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: So therefore, you see, uh, I feel it is something, you see, dealing with root or basis of this destructive emotion, but simply the thoughtlessness. You see, you your mind not go that side, just to remain something uh,
0: neutral,
2: withdrawing your mind.
0: It's fascinating because I think most of us believe that meditation is just this goal to, to squash our thoughts, but what you're saying is you can use the discursive mind, the thinking mind, to get at the root of our destructive emotions. We walk around with this subconscious assumption that there is some Dan in here, some Dalai Lama behind your eyes, but if you look for it, you won't find it, and that can be a revelation. Let me ask you a a personal and selfish question, because it's not every day that I get to sit down with the Dalai Lama. Um, I've been meditating for six years. I was doing about a half hour a day. And then about nine months ago, I decided, for reasons that I'm not even sure that I can articulate, to go to two hours a day. I guess my question for you is, should I have a goal in my practice?
1: I think for, uh, I think the general speaking about well-being of humanity, then our goal should be happy life. Firstly, start individual, then family level, then community level, then finally entire seven billion human beings through awareness, through education. It is possible, basic human nature is more compassionate. That also now scientists, you see, they sort of find basic human nature is more compassionate. That really is the uh, basis of our hope. If basic human nature is anger or negative, then useless, make effort. Any effort as a result will be temporary. But basic human nature is more positive more compassionate. So there is a real sort of possibility to build more compassionate world, compassionate humanity, and compassionate world. So utilize our intelligence our maximum way to promote basic human value, human nature, compassionate nature.
0: It's interesting to me that when I asked you should I have a goal, you went directly to improving the situation for all humans, yes. but in my reading of the, the suttas, the early Buddhist scriptures, the Buddha himself was talking about enlightenment. You didn't use that word. I'm sort of talking humanity.
1: If hum- entire humanity are Buddhist, then I will talk about Buddhism.
0: <laughs> but that is not the case. But what about for, for an individual like me who practices Buddhist meditation should my goal be to try to uh, ensure the well-being of all sentient beings, or should my goal be enlightenment? What is enlightenment anyway? Uh, individual
1: case, of course, generally speaking, historically, Western world, uh, uh, a non-Buddhist country. Buddhism, historically belongs to East, mainly come from India and then China, and so on, these countries. But now in modern time, because of a lot of communication, a lot of information, now as a human being, you see there are people who really showing genuine interest and not only interest, but they find some benefit, in the individual case. So then similarly, in Asia, uh, traditionally, not Christian country, Judo-Christian country or Muslim country, but large number of Christians, large number of uh, Muslims or Jews, it's okay. Uh, it is religion is concerned, individuals' right. Uh, culture is related with the community. So, so uh, there are number of Westerners who really follow uh, Buddhist tradition, Buddhist practice. So, if you uh, so these also, have the right. Now one important, I always make clear individual who really found some uh, effective sort of result through Buddhist practice and it's his or her right to to follow that. at the same time, you must respect your own traditional religion. At the time, we are really making effort to promote religious harmony. So, uh, sh- sh- I am Buddhist uh, from childhood. You see, I never say Buddhism is best religion. No, according to a different people. To some people, you see, certain religion is more effective. So for that person, that religion is best. Like food, you, we can't say thousands different sort of different sort of meals. You can't say this is best, or medicine, this medicine is the best. No, you cannot say, according to individual sort of taste or mental disposition. So therefore, uh, if you uh, if if you have genuine sort of interest uh, about Buddhism, uh, there are two tra- major traditions, uh, Theravada tradition or Pali tradition, that's the foundation of Buddha Dharma. Then another level, the Sanskrit tradition. Obviously, uh, Pali tradition, tradition, you see, mainly relying on Buddha's own word or uh, quotation. Uh, The Sanskrit tradition extensively use reasons. So uh, the special text logic also there. so therefore, I usually use to describe the, uh, the proper or unique uh, Buddhist way of practice is utilize human intelligence in the maximum way, through that way, transform our emotion. Then our ultimate goal is this mind, which up to now, a slave of these destructive emotions. Ultimately, ignorance is not nature of the mind. If ignorance is nature of the mind, then we cannot learn. Uh, Obviously, uh, through time, we learn many things. So that means basic nature of mind is clear light, clear, Knowing, knowing. knowing, knowing. So now Buddha means, enlightened means, you see, the ignorance part. Reduce, finally completely eliminated, then the fullness of wisdom or awareness developed. That's Buddhahood. So the
0: basis of Buddhahood is clear light mind. Can I get there, or or can I go beyond 10% happier and get to what you're describing in this lifetime?
1: Well, certainly.
0: I think you... uh, much younger
1: than me. So even you see, uh, even you see the 81 uh, year old person, you see, making effort to
0: achieve some, some
1: level of enlightenment. So then,
0: why not you? You've made my day. They're telling us we're, we're out of time, but I can't resist. I'm just going to ask one last question. And this is a more earthly question. I know you follow the news and you listen to BBC. I'm just curious if you have any views on the presidential candidate in this country who's making the most noise, Donald Trump.
1: Oh, that's your business. Uh, firstly, uh, I have no sort of the right or right, right opportunity to vote. Hmm? And then secondly, a short sort of uh, visit here. So I do not know the whole sort of background or these things. So sometimes I feel, oh, too much personal criticism. That I feel. Oh, a serious discussion about policy matter is useful. Oh, but there's sometimes a little little bit of personal sort of criticism, these things. That looks a little bit cheap. That's my view.
0: Okay, so that's the end of the interview, the formal interview. Uh, but then after the interview we went up on stage and I moderated a discussion uh, among scientists and the Dalai Lama and then, toward the end of the discussion I had a chance to ask him some more questions uh, during which uh, he zinged me pretty good so here's a listen to that. As Sona's work uh, illustrates having uh, inner peace uh, during parenthood is difficult. Um, Shortly after we had uh, our first baby uh, I found myself in the middle of the night holding this screaming beast and there was like poop everywhere and I thought the name of my next book is gonna be everything in my last book was Baloney. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let
0: him translate that.
3: (laughs) So that is
0: it.
1: if may I say so, that's the indication of your sort of experience of meditation, still initial stage.
0: <laughs> so now it's confirmed I'm a terrible meditator. Even the Dalai Lama thinks so. It's kind of like the opposite of Carl Spackler from Caddyshack, who is told that the Dalai Lama um, has guaranteed him total consciousness on his deathbed. Thanks for listening, and check out the new uh, podcast that we just posted with the lead singer of Weezer, Rivers Cuomo, who is a very serious meditator, as it turns out. Two hours a day, so an hour in the morning, hour in the evening. I've done that every day since 2003, except for one day in 2009 when our tour bus crashed. But you did the two hours when you woke yeah. up in the hospital? in the hospital bed. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe, please rate us, please give us a good review, um, and we'll be back with much more very soon. Take care.